And Susan. <laughs> Episode 29. Yeah. Oh my gourd. Almost episode 30. Here we are. Summertime. Triple digit weather in Dallas, Texas. Susan, yeah. how are you? I'm good. Just thinking about the weather though, just grosses me out. It makes me not want to leave my house like ever because this is like the most disgusting, humid, hot summer I feel like we've ever had. Really? Yeah, the humidity, like we've, it's, there's been so much rain and we've been dealing with bugs. I hate it. <laughs> so you don't like bugs? No. Who you does? just like one particular bug, right? I love your dog. Yeah, I do. Like <laughs> bug dog. Bug dog. Yes. Like insects. No insects for Susan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's episode 29 of No BS Podcast. See us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, everywhere you can find a podcast. I'm Brian Kluger, and of course, Susan Stevens is here. We're, we're in our favorite bathrooms, which are public bathrooms right now, because the episode of No BS today is all about awkward situations. So we're, we're doing this show live from our bathrooms, from public bathrooms. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. That That is correct. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a great blind watch later. We've got some recommendations. We've got our awkward movies, awkward TV shows, and awkward personal life moments we are going to share with you. Going to live up, gonna bring back some terrible fucking memories about this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be good. It's going to be good. And a special, special, beautiful uh happy birthday to oh. our main man trevor uh we love him uh yeah we do i do i do love that guy <laughs> <laughs> i love that guy I yeah like i loved him before you whoa okay <laughs> <laughs> okay but first we've got to get into our bachelorette talk there's tons to discuss yes. on the bachelorette we're down to the last four people well three. last three people actually we're going to get into that uh there was a a men tell all episode how katie's doing how the guys are doing so susan please take it away All right. So I guess we have to first start with the fact that, you know, when the show started, we were with our top four, which were Michael A., uh, Justin, who still can't believe that she picked him over Andrew. uh, (laughs) That was a really weird uh, deal there. Everybody thought Andrew and she went with Justin, which I feel like Justin just didn't get a whole lot of screen time. Yeah, he must just not be getting the screen time. Like he must that 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 has to be it because I don't think she's just picking him. Like she she seems to like him when we do see him, but it's just crazy because everyone we saw more of a connection with Andrew. So when she picked him over Andrew, you're just like, what? So I mean, it is what it is. Um, ultimately, I think her final two are going to be Greg and Blake. Anyways, I've thought that from the beginning. So uh, so yeah, we we see those four. And I think, I don't know if we discussed this, but I've been anticipating Michael A. self-eliminating for a while because of his son. Um, 
I'm curious what you thought of him, like leaving on his own, the way his reasoning, the way he left. What did you think? So Michael, a, I really like this guy. And I think a lot yeah. of people really like this guy. They do. Um, he had a, you know, a tragic past and he's, he's got a good head on the shoulders and, you know, with the passing of his wife and now his son being like that per that, that rock for him. And like, he doesn't want to see anything happen to him. Uh, when his son called, cause it looks like he got the FaceTime with his son every day while he, yeah, he gets to FaceTime with him every day. Yeah. He's the, uh-huh. Yeah. So I think when his son said like, you don't want to see me anymore. You don't want to come home. I really think like that brought up all these horrible, painful memories for Michael. And I think he just like, I've got to go back. And even though he was probably, you know, maybe two to three weeks out from going home or even because I know he didn't want to bring his son to a hometown uh, just because it might be too much for him. But I think I know I think he really likes Katie, but it didn't seem like he was fully ready for it maybe he wasn't but i think he had to take care of this to for his own sanity and his own well-being and it just sucks because it seemed like katie really wanted him to go the distance i think he had a hell of a shot more than other people um and how he did it i mean he went in there and said it right there i mean he was honest and open it just sucks that it he went kind of almost the whole way to do it. And mm-hmm. it seems like both their hearts were broken um, about it. And that's, that's what I think. I mean, you know, you commend him for doing it and getting out there, but oh man, it's just, that's heartbreak, like pure and simple right there for both people. Yeah. I, I just, I, I was a little annoyed just because I, I felt like when it came down to it, there's nothing wrong with him leaving, but I feel like when it came down to it, to it, he was almost, I feel like he was almost using his son as an, as an excuse for why he was leaving the show. Like I, I think he's, it broke his heart that his son said that and maybe put like a reality check of, Hey, do I really, and do I see it with this girl? Is it worth it with this girl? Like, I think he didn't like Katie enough. I, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. Cause if, if he was, if he really saw a future with her, I just, you could bring your son and just not have him meet Katie. You just be like, Hey, bring him in. Uh, we'll make sure he's like preoccupied. So we don't have a meeting. So I can just have the time with him, but I don't know. And then like, I just didn't like in the mental all when he was like asking her for another chance kind of thing. Like you want another chance? And I thought that was a little weird. So I'm like, dude, what? Like, I, I don't know. I think he's a good guy. I'm not saying anything on his Like I, I 100% think he's a good dude, but I think I wish you would just have said like, I got to go be with my son. Maybe I did this too soon because in reality, I just don't think he liked Katie enough. Okay. It's an interesting take on that. Um, I felt like he really liked Katie. Uh, I, Mm. yeah, but maybe I think we're both in agreement. Maybe he just wasn't ready yet. And I mean, yeah, I think he still really likes Katie. He's like, is there a chance? And then I know they, you know, being marketing 
and ABC and all of them saying like the crazy, surprising, shocking three hour finale. You're not going to believe what happens, who shows up, something like that. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, does Michael A come back and like vie for it? Or are they just playing, you know, the uh, card angle on the men tell all like they actually didn't get together, but they actually did. I don't think that's the case. No, it's not. So I think Michael, um, you know, you know, I like the guy. It just sucked that it he did it at this point in time because Katie yeah. was visibly upset and angry as she should be. You know, she picked yeah. him to go further than a lot of people. And, you know, when I was watching it, I said like, oh, he's so close. Why couldn't he just bring his son? Yeah. Here? Like why? I mean, he could see his son and then it would leave. He would leave like just stick it out for a little bit longer. His son's exactly. going to understand because he's so young. He's with family obviously but Mm -hmm. i don't know something in him and that's what made you say and possibly me say uh that maybe he just wasn't ready for this i do think he liked katie i just don't think he was ready for any of it like when it came down to it because if his wife died what a year or two prior years ago yeah i mean that's still that's still pretty on the nose that's not i mean that's you know, not just getting a divorce. That's somebody dying while yeah. you're married and in love. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel bad for both Katie and Michael, but um, it's unfortunate because everybody liked them. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. I, like I said, I just, I think when it comes down to it, he just really, yeah, he wasn't ready. And I don't think he, maybe he would have been fine with dating Katie, but I, I don't think he liked her enough to be getting down on one knee at the end of this. And I think that's what, that's the reality that hit him when he was talking to his son. He's like, am I really ready for this? And that's the only reason is like, because there is talks that he could possibly be bachelor. I feel like it would feel a little <laughs> icky if he was bachelor right. after something like that. It would feel a little hypocritical. So I hope they're really careful because I don't want Michael to have an image that I would hate for him to be like people thinking he's fake or something. Cause I don't think he is. I really do think he's a good guy, but I just don't want, yeah. They've got a lot of options for Bachelor, though, because they're going to do Paradise and then they have Michelle's guys coming up. So who knows who they'll actually pick? Well, so, yeah, the thing about him being Bachelor, because I thought about that. I'm like, yeah, he's like everybody likes him. But like, why would he agree to do another season if he doesn't want to be away from his kid? You know, unless, you know, he brings his kid to the whole situation. But you can bring your kid. They've done that with uh, Emily Maynard. They she brought her child while she was doing it. She stayed in like one place. They didn't travel. But I still think from the fact but Emily didn't leave the show to go be with her kid when she did. She didn't, uh, she got like picked and everything. So I just think that because of what he did and like, if it sounds like he needs to have quality time with his son, if he were to just immediately go back and be, Oh, great. I'm going to go date 30 women. It just doesn't, yeah, look, that would it be, doesn't look right. No, that would be super weird. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after he asked for another chance with Katie on the mental. Right. That but, was weird. I have a question for you though. Uh-huh. There was a glaring omission from the men tell all. Okay. Which the one? virgin. I know. A lot of so, people were like, where was he? Yeah. What's the deal? Like they didn't mention him. So is 
did he come back? Is he coming I, back in the finale? What's happening? I haven't heard. No, he's not coming back. Did Duza? I really think the only reason they just didn't think he was anything exciting to invite back. But then again, or or he could have been. He could have been busy. He could have been busy. He may not have wanted to come back. There's there's so many. I don't know anything for sure, but. A lot of times the, these men tell all they don't bring everybody back because it's, it's who they think that want to be seen. But some people just truly don't want to come back either. OK, well, it's interesting because it seemed like he was getting along with everybody. He had a yeah, good time and I think he did. He would have made for some good TV to come back. But it was weird, like that nobody meant he wasn't mentioned, at least on the TV portion. And well, and that could have been edited out because they do have those those tell alls are actually filmed like they're for 12 hours or something. Yeah, like they're yeah. they're super long and they condense it. That wasn't even a two hour tell all. So it's it could have been mentioned and they just left it out. But OK, so I, I had that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I noticed that, too. Uh but I mean, what were your thoughts on the tell all? Any anybody annoy you? Anybody you really like? What was like your takeaway? I mean, I I love Connor, the cat guy. I mean, that dude is just fun and I, I like that he played the music, the whole I mean, I'm try still trying to figure out if that was a plant in the audience or that's somebody he knew and they played it off, or that was just somebody who stood up. Or somebody that this girl in the audience in the tell-all stood up, interrupted the interview with Connor and uh, Tasha and what's her name? Caitlin. Caitlin. And just said, I love Connor. I think you're going to be the best kisser. And they kissed and it was a whole deal. It seemed kind of canned, but I was like, I wonder if she went to the producers like, hey, I'm going to do this. It just seemed like a deal. But it, Connor, I like Connor. That was fun. Do you like, because it seems like you don't like him. No, I like Connor as a person. I will say I cannot stand the guy singing. I'm so sick of his songs. I'm so sick of him whipping out that ukulele, whatever. I want to break it. I'm like, stop. Stop it. There's two. There's, I've got PTSD from past contestants trying to start a music career. So when he keeps doing it, it's like, I don't think he's trying to because he's nowhere near good enough to be like a professional. But uh, he's, he's cute. He, I think he's a sweet guy. I really do think he's really nice. And I, I liked how he defended. I like how he defended Hunter in this uh, episode, too, because I do think the guys I'll get to the mean the mean boys in a minute. But um, I do. Connor's a good person, but that whole kiss thing, that thing was so set up. I was dying, like curling up in a ball, cringing from how stupid and cheesy that was. That was right. Like, I hated that when that girl stood up, I'm like a producer might have asked, like, who does someone have a crush on Connor? Would you be like something was set up to where that girl 100 percent was told you're going to, towards the end, you're going to step up. You're going to say this, you're going to go down and you're going to kiss him. And I don't know if Connor knew or what, but I do listen to another podcast. Apparently they are still talking. Tara and Connor are still talking and they may even go on a date. Um, we'll see. But that whole thing was just cringy. I was so cringed out. No, that, I was like, okay, well, I wasn't cringed out. I don't think that was like the awkward moment. It seemed like everybody was like happy for him. Uh, however, it was just like, I was going back and forth in my mind. Okay, this has to be staged and planted because she, like her mic was on yeah. and you know, all of this stuff was happening. So I wonder if she, I was trying to figure out the logistics from a production standpoint on how that happened. So yeah, I know I was happy for Connor. I like Connor. 
Um, uh, Hunter had some good things to say, and you know, it was great for him for them to roll back his footage and him come clean about all of that stuff was funny to me. And uh, I'm trying to think of the other great dudes in the house before we get to the mean guys. Let's get to the mean guys. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I cannot stand Aaron. And Aaron's the worst. Aaron's like Regina George. He's the leader, clearly. And James, whatever box guy, if that's his name. Um, and Brendan, those three are like the like the three dudes that are all like. Okay, so who are we going to dislike? Okay, this is who we don't like. And I just, the way they didn't like, like the way they gang up on people is so annoying. And I just, I, I cannot stand them. I I thought I really appreciated how, because like, look, I don't care for Hunter either. I don't care for him. But the guy, I think his whole storyline, how they, they could have just left the guy alone. Katie was never going to pick him. They just needed to find someone to vote off the island. And they just, they, I feel like they were way too harsh on him. I'm like, he's not a villain. He's just annoying. He's annoying and cocky and arrogant, but she will sniff that out. She'll figure it out. And um, they, they villainized him, which I just thought was kind of unfair and uh, yeah, he need, he deserved to be called out on the lies, but again, right. his lies weren't anything harmful to Katie. So what if he picked out a top four? What does that do? Yeah, right. I see. I liked Aaron and uh, Box Guy, but man, they like they said it. I think in the tell. You like, liked them? No, yeah, no. I I like them. It, but Ugh. they were too intense. Like. Once they're once the, when uh Tasia or something when there's their uh switch flipped, they were just gung ho, no changing their mind about not liking a certain person. And I think it came from a good place, like they didn't want to see anybody screwing Katie over. But man, there's a way to go about it, and there's not a way to go about it. And you know, just like that dude from Claire's season that called her out, all what he said was true but he did it went about it a long way the right. so wrong way yeah. and i think that's what aaron and box guy did they went about it the wrong way they were just they focused more on that than katie and they were and, and you know we didn't as you said there's so much footage i think the producers saw that in them and kind of when aaron and box guy are on television now it's going to be hating somebody and not being with katie so that's all we mm -hmm. saw uh, right and that that's what became them and it sucks but uh yeah I, and then it came to a head uh, you know on the men tell all because um what's his name was it is it carl carl yeah i don't carl. like him either no i don't so i don't like carl at all yeah and man they got in each other's faces and they were just lambasting him and that was like what their their role on the men tell all was and then they had um what's his name skype in which was thomas thomas which was which, hilarious i thought it was hilarious when katie called aaron thomas by accident oh that was my. amazing no and then yeah aaron like he ran was out. like what that's the worst thing you could call me and talking about awkward moments like yes. you and i have probably been there calling somebody a different name and stuff like that i've had it happen to me a bunch of times yeah. uh and it's just like you're in this awkward moment but like on national tv and like 
with just that relationship, you could yeah. really tell Katie was just. She couldn't even uh, look at him. She was no, like, no. Oh, no. oh, no, yeah, no, that's a pretty fucking brutal mistake, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I will just add, I thought, I, I, like I said, this just makes me like Connor. When Connor called out James and was like, James, I'm going to defend Hunter here. He did. He was really falling for Katie. And I just really liked the way he was like, all right, well, I just saw things. And um, what I, my opinion, he's like, well, your opinion's wrong. I just, that, that gave me, like, I really liked Connor in that moment a lot because I do think these guys were, there was a little too much speculation that a lot of things they didn't have like grounds on to like, to say like that. So I was like, where are you getting this? However, Carl, he is a shady, shady dude who tried to act like, I like that Trey called him out. And because the guy was like, of course I was talking about Thomas. But then I loved how Trey was like, wait, you said it was multiple guys in the house. Is it multiple guys or is it just Thomas? Right. And I thought, I thought Katie was way too easy on Carl. She was just like, you were right. What? No, he wasn't. He didn't have anybody. He was just like shooting in the dark. Like he was just like, sure. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. It, it was, uh, and so now we have to talk about Tasia and I can't remember her name again. Caitlin. Caitlin. What about them? I read, I, I, I typed in men tell all into Google and I read some articles that just fans have hated them as, uh, as, as hosts, especially for the men tell all and are like crying for Chris Harrison's return. I will say that was the first time I've been fine without Chris during this season, but I think Tasha is really, she's better. I think she's better. Um, it seems like Tasha has had background experience in hosting. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. She reads a lot better than Caitlin does. Uh, right. a little bit more robotic. Yes. Um, I, I think that if it were me, I would just, I hate to sound so harsh. I just, I think that, you know, you could let, you could let Tasha lead the way, but I think Tasha would be, it'd be better if they would uh, allow her. The thing that was so great about Chris was Chris was so comfortable on that stage that he was, he was able to call guys out. Like he, he would be the type of guy that in that moment when Carl was trying to blame, like, Oh, it was Thomas. I was talking about, he, he would be the one to be like, well, Carl, but you said this and that. So what's the truth? Like he would call people out yeah, and ask the tough questions, like really get there. And I'm not saying that these girls couldn't do that because it was just their first run. So maybe they felt like they needed to stick to the script. And that's what it looked like. It looked like they were sticking to the script. Right. So I, if Tasha would feel comfortable to, to ask the hard questions, they, she could do it. I see potential there, but yeah, I missed, I missed Chris too. No, it was, it was interesting to see. I, I mean, they I mean, it's, yeah, their, their hosting was very canned and, mm -hmm. you know, not organic. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, and then there's, uh, there's only a couple more episodes. So there's what, Hometown. Well, there's there's uh, the actual hometown and there's fantasy suites, which I think what's going to happen is they'll do the hometown and then I suppose they'll combine since there'll be probably there'll be a final two, which will be like they'll have to combine fantasy suites and um, the finale. And kind of, yeah, because it'll be a, a it's final, three hours. Yeah, three hours finale. But um, I guess just my main thing. So if you had to deem one villain from the season, who's the villain of the season? Oh, uh 
is it Thomas, right? Thomas is Thomas. Villain, you'd right? say Thomas then? Yeah. I'd say Thomas okay. is a villain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's pretty some, even when he was on that Skype, I just, I don't, he was very, uh, fake. He's just a very right. fake. He's too, he's too, um, composed or whatever you want to call it. But, um, I would say Thomas or Carl, one of those. Yeah. One. one of those. Two. Um, yeah. Thomas for sure. Although Aaron is, I know he's not a villain, but I just couldn't stand that guy. I really couldn't stand him. <laughs> I just, I wanted to, but I was like, nah, this dude's so annoying. He's just a mean boy. Uh, but okay. So of the three, who's your final choice? So we have Greg, we have, Greg, um, Blake. Blake and we have, um, Justin, Justin. Hmm. I mean, I just don't know much about Justin. It's and not so, going so do you know who it's going to be? No, no. But I'm just like, there's no way it's Justin. Like, come on. The way they've edited it, that would be a shock if it was Justin. There's no, it's between Blake and Greg. It's been that. I, I, there, it, I don't know. I mean, it seems like Blake, Blake said, I think like he's not, in love with her yet but he's almost there and it seems like greg is in love with her but i don't know which way she wants to go because i think she likes both i mean i think she really liked michael a so i don't know which way she's leaning so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go blake okay me too i'm actually gonna go blake too um the reason why is because i think greg needs way too much validation and when they are together i've noticed that she does way more of the work as far as getting him to come out of his shell, to open up. She's the one asking him questions. Like, I don't think he ever asked her a question. Like, I, I mean, rarely. Yeah. And Blake, he asked her, like, he's always asking her questions. He seems excited to get to know her. Like, he really, I feel like he thinks there's like a strong connection there. And he's like, yeah, you just seem like the type of girl that I would be with. And um, also she had told him that it's the easiest with you. And I've noticed that. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that from day one when they had their first date, I was like, he seems like somebody who's been here the whole time. And it's very like effortless and natural chemistry with them. So. So how do you see the hometowns going and the fantasy suites going? Well, I imagine after hometown, she'll send Justin home. I think okay. that's going to be her breakup. And then she'll be down to the final two. I don't really know how they're going to do it since they're going to have to like kind of combine fantasy and finale. But I imagine if she's not picking Greg, I imagine she would do like an emotional goodbye before a final rose. Maybe she'd do him the respect of that. I feel like she'd do that to either one. I don't know if I see her because every breakout she's been like bawling, crying. So I don't see her as doing the typical, um, where the person comes because that's I don't know if you've gotten to see that where maybe you haven't. I don't think you've actually witnessed that. The typical layout for the show is where the final the runner up would come out of the limo first and uh -huh. come to where the person's standing. And that person would actually like propose like, let's just say, yeah, no, it's really shitty the way they do it. But like, let's just say hypothetical, she picked Blake and she's not picking Greg, right? Greg would come out, pick a ring 
everything. He'd go up. She wouldn't say anything. She, he would do his whole spiel. And, and some of, we've had people like get down on one knee and the, the girl had to be like, wait, 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 get up, get up. Uh, like they, they don't let him. Yeah. Um, or, you know, they'll, so they'll say that. And, uh, so they'll have to stop them. They'll basically have to stop them mid proposal and then be oh. like, I'm sorry, actually, I love the other guy. So That's awkward. It's so awkward. You want to talk about awkward moments. Those are it. I can think of so many, like, and then there's people who've been pissed. Like I can think of Ashley, uh, hair bear or whatever, when she did that to, um, What's his name? Uh, oh God, I, I want to call him Francine, but that's not his name. Uh, anyways, it, Ben, Ben, some, Ben Flanagan. He was so mad that she let him um, get as far as to get down on the knee, and uh, he was really pissed. Uh, <laughs> he went on to be the Bachelor, but anyways, yeah, it's really, really awkward. So I don't, I don't see Katie doing that though. I don't feel like she would allow that. I almost feel, and I, I'm, I'm just guessing here but my guess would be she would break up with the guy beforehand and there have been bachelor and bachelorettes who do that where they break up way before a final ceremony and just say hey i don't think not working out do you think she has sex with in the fantasy suites with the two or three well i don't think she'll have sex with justin because i think she'll send him home after hometown Okay. So that would be my guess is that she won't have sex, but I could definitely see her having sex with both uh, Greg and Blake because she's so okay. sex positive. So I feel like, she's, what do you think? Do you think she'll have sex with those, both of them or just one? No, I think she's probably do it with both. That's might as well. Um, and then, okay. So in regards to them saying it's the most shocking, it's crazy season finale you have to tune in is that just marketing or do you think somebody's going to show up i don't think anyone's going to show up i don't think someone's going to show up the way they've been teasing it seems like she's getting in a fight it seems like she gets in a fight because they've been teasing her like cancel the show yeah cancel the show i want to go yeah She's like, she's like, are you kidding me right now? I've been trying to dissect that because she like, she rushes out of there. Like they showed that multiple times where she's like, she's like, it's almost like she's looking for the person that she just got in a fight with maybe and, or whatever. It's like, it looks like she got in a fight. So, and then she wants to leave. So, and it it doesn't seem like sad. It seems mad. Yeah. So I think she gets in like a fight with somebody. Interesting. I'm curious on how that's going to go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited, though. I will say if there's one thing The Bachelor has really kept up, somehow every season, especially these last couple seasons, it really has done something different every time to be like the most dramatic like season, something you have you wouldn't expect happens. And you're like, how is this possible? But <laughs> they do it. <laughs> So, all right. All right. So that's bachelorette news. We're Mm -hmm. uh, like basically like two more episodes, two more episodes. Mm -hmm. So we'll see if our predictions come true. Who's showing back up if anybody and who Katie picks. Yep. Who do you guys want Katie to pick? Let's hear from you. Yes, please. Uh, (laughs) Get us, get us on Instagram and Twitter. No BS podcast. Yep. So moving on to our next uh, main event subject, all about 
awkwardness, awkward stuff. Uh, Susan, this was your idea. Take it away. Yeah, based on Brian's blind watch pick, Shiva Baby, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, we decided to go with uh, most awkward moments uh, in our personal life, in television and film. Uh, So I guess, I don't know if you want to start, we can start, do you want to start with our personal ones or with television and film? Oh, let's, let's, let's keep the personal ones a little bit later to let everybody listen through movies and TV to get to our personal juicy stories. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Um, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, You want me to start? Yeah. Are we doing TV or movie first? Let's do movie first. Okay. Awkward moments in movies. You know, a lot of people, when they go to movies or movie theaters, there might be an awkward moment and it makes you cringe. It makes you squirm mm-hmm. in your seat. It makes some people get up and leave. They don't want to watch these awkward moments. And sometimes you're watching this movie that you don't think is going to be awkward for you, but then you're watching it with your parents and just something happens. It's just weird. Uh, yeah. But yeah, for me growing up with my parents, I was never awkward in front of them. So I don't care if I watched yeah. anything, you know, with sex scenes or anything like that with them. Uh-huh. Um, that was just me. But I have awkward scenes in movies. Okay. So, so all right. So I'm going to start out with Ari Aster's Midsommar uh, with, uh, with Jack... Uh, doing the sex ritual towards the end of the movie with all the women staying around him. Yeah. And he's kind of being forced to have sex with a girl. And then Pete, the, some of the women start pushing his ass into her, penetrating. Yep. And they're all making noises and huffs and puffs. And he kind of looks around. It's like, oh, what the so hell is happening? Confused. Yeah. It's a very awkward moment. Uh, like, I mean, it's fucked up, but I mean, it's just like awkward and like, oh my God, what's happening? And you feel for the character, even though he is a complete shithead. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that's a very awkward moment. Would you agree? Uh, that's a really good one, actually. I didn't even think about that, but uh, I might even just say, the, throw that on my list because that was so awkward. <laughs> so awkward. Um, also, uh, there's a French filmmaker named Gaspar No. He is known for making movies like Irreversible. Um, but there's a movie he made called Climax about a big dance troupe uh, rehearsing and somebody spikes the punch at the after party with uh, some LSD and it all goes haywire from there. And one of the moments is there is a brother and sister in the movie and the brother after taking LSD, he's very protective of her, ends up raping her. And it is really gross. I mean, they're not brothers. That, sister, doesn't even sound that just sounds awful. The brother no, raped his sister? Pretty much. And, but it's Ooh. awkward in the way that like, it kind of happens through the whole movie that he's trying to get with her. And it's just like, when it like kind of happens, because they're both on LSD. So it's just like, kind of weird and very awkward. But how it happens is you're just like, oh my God, I don't I don't want to watch this. My eyes are covered, but like, you know, you have a little slit in there. It's very awkward. Um, another one that's very awkward um, is the movie Bridesmaids at the um, at the engagement party 
I have this on my list too. Yeah, when the two are just going back and forth with their speeches and end up singing the good times. I mean, a lot of that moment, a lot of that movie is awkward, but that scene is just because none of the other stuff in the movie would happen, but maybe the speech thing would happen between two friends of a bride trying to yeah. take the spotlight to be mm-hmm. the bestest friend. He's and it's the best just friend, yeah. because how that works and how it's so awkward is that it keeps going mm-hmm. and you're just like, Oh God, Oh God, in front of everybody and how they played it was so well. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. the, being the fake niceness when they really want to tear each other's hair out. Mm-hmm. Pitch perfect. Um, also in the movie, another romantic comedy is uh, the movie I Love You, Man, with Paul Rudd mm-hmm. and Jason Siegel. And it's the scene where <laughs> Paul Rudd's fiance and her girlfriends are having a little get-together party at their place. Paul Rudd comes home, sees them in there, but they don't see him, and he makes them all like fancy milkshakes and desserts, and he overhears mm-hmm. them saying like, he doesn't have any friends. He needs to have <laughs> friends. What's wrong? And then like, as he opens the door, they see he's in there, and he's like, hey. Oh, and it's just, yeah. have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. That scene is so cringeworthy um, mm-hmm. and awkward. Also, I have to throw in Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire, the emo dance sequence that's uh-huh. just awkward to a next level because <laughs> you have spider-man spider-man 3 and then he turns to dark spider-man he's got his emo hair and then he does a dance scene through new york and it is just robotic gross and just so just like oh what am i fucking watching here yeah um there's a movie called splice i don't know if you've seen it susan have you seen it no Okay, there's a great movie called Splice. It's science fiction horror. It's with Adrian Brody. And basically, mm-hmm. Adrian Brody and his wife um, get a hold of like this alien, like this half alien, half human, and they splice the DNA between human and this alien. And it creates like this little baby alien. And this couple, Adrian Brody and his wife, are both scientists. They kind of raise this alien from a baby so it becomes like their parents well as the alien gets older it becomes more seductive and ends Uh up having sex with adrian brody her the father so it's kind of like this incest type thing and it is the most awkward shit ever (laughs) it the movie's awesome but that scene is just like what is happening uh i have three more bear with me um in the movie Swingers, you have a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in the movie, the movie Swingers, uh, John Favreau, Vince Vaughn, where they got their start about uh, single guys in LA picking up girls. Um, there's a scene. So voicemail, the, the voicemail scene. Yes, Vince Vaughn is like the 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 guy who knows how to you know use pickup lines. He's very confident, and John Favreau's character is not. He just got a long relationship and he's getting out there. So he meets this girl at a bar. It works well, gets her number. That same night he goes home and he proceeds to leave her like 15 voice messages on his life story. Uh And it's so painful to watch and awkward to watch because a lot of people have been there. And it just, 
Oh, and you could see like just the the talent that Favreau has in that scene is just amazing. Uh, and that scene is very awkward to watch still. Like it's just, it's cringeworthy. Um, the prequels of Star Wars, any scene with Padme and Anakin in their love story is just awkward because it just doesn't, it's, it's canned, not good performances. It's bad. And then the last one I'll say is a movie called Happiness, if you haven't seen it. Uh, great movie, real fucked up. But there's a scene, uh, one of the, like the little, it's kind of like set up almost kind of like a Tarantino Pulp Fiction, multiple stories, all kinds of stuff. And so there's this one little segment where a son and his father are having a conversation and the father is a convicted pedophile. And his son asks him like, do you ever think about having sex with me? And he go and he goes, yes, but I just go to masturbate about it. And it's a very awkward, crazy scene. That is horrible. Ew. Yeah. No, it's really so. The, yeah, happy. If you, people who know happiness know happiness and how crazy this movie is, but that scene for sure. So those were the movies that have awkward moments for me. Uh, <laughs> Susan enlightened please oh i know i feel like i struck a chord there that one was really gross um yeah well i will uh, definitely the the bridesmaid scene but just even just the whole competition between uh kristen wig and rose Byrne throughout that movie is pretty awkward um i thought about that scene was in super bad between jonah hill and emma stone like just the exchange when he's trying to talk to her before he, he's like, yeah, we're going to buy some alcohol. Like you want, you want anything? <laughs> she asked for like the gold schlager and stuff. Yeah. And he just doesn't, it doesn't seem like he knows what that is. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. It was very, uh, I remember that interaction between the two was, I was very uncomfortable. Well, I liked it because, you know, it could have been much more awkward because he's like, luckily you scratch my back, we scratch your back. And he says, luckily my back's located on my cock. And the friend doesn't laugh, but she, Emma laughs at it. Yeah. And I was like, okay there. And I think in that moment that what made it so awkward is that he is so excited to be talking with her yeah. that he just like, he has to play it cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, also, American Pie. When uh, in the first one, when Jim first, when Jim even catches Nadia, I, the whole scene of Nadia, like, and they're watching her. Thinking about now, like that is so disgusting that like guys are watching this girl. Right, right. No, yeah. like that's like the one thing that kind of hasn't held up. No, but, like it's... it was like in an innocent way, like they wanted to see his boy go for it, but then you know, Jim screws it up and sends it to the whole school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it all messes up. And I mean, luckily, I guess if you want to feel like Nadio doesn't care, I guess she's cool with it. Mm -hmm. But uh then on top of that, like he catches her, and then of course the awkward coming early. It, it was Twice. Like, <laughs> yeah, twice, twice. It's just like too much to it. It was so awkward. Um, it never been kissed. Again, <laughs> poor, poor Drew Barrymore. She's pretty awkward throughout that whole film. But I just remember when she first comes to the school and she tries to fit in, she's wearing this awful, like white feathery outfit, yep. like 
horrible outfit. And she's just like, she found the popular girls and she's just like, Kristen, Gibby, like whatever. <laughs> hey, girlfriend. And then like when she goes and tries to sit with them at lunch too, she's like, That's hey funny. guys, like your hopes and dreams and stuff. <laughs> and they're just so like, they are oh, it's just funny. Um, and the something of there's something about Mary, the hair gel scene. Played it off like it wasn't that because it's awkward because of what happens, but like that's oh man, Farley Brothers were ahead of its time, you know. Like they that you know, that whole gross out gag stuff was was great. It was it's very awkward to see, just like when you really think about it, someone just doing it, oh, just her grabbing it. It's like that hair gel great. I need some. I just like, Oh, <laughs> and then in the next scene is literally at the restaurant with it just sticking yeah, up. Like that. Just sticking up. Um, but, and then finally I have the entire, the room movie, that whole movie. The oh, room. Tommy Wiseau. Tommy Wiseau's movie. That's just an awkward film. That whole film is awkward. You like think about it. I mean, it's funny. It's like a comedy, But if you really think about it, especially if you know that he had fully intended for this to be an Oscar winning film, like he submitted it to the Oscars. (laughs) Like it's just, it's awkward when you see, just seeing a green screen on a roof when they had a roof Roof. setting. No, say what you will about the room. The Room is probably a better movie than most Oscar-nominated movies because The Room is still getting played in theaters. People still talk about it on a daily basis and still watch oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's still, it, well, it's it's a cult classic now, but it's just, it is so awkward. It's just, there's so <laughs> many scenes in that movie that you're just like, oh, this is so weird, especially well, with Tommy Wiseau. Well, Wiseau's an awkward dude. And to yeah, have he's star awkward. In the movie and just, oh, hi, Mark. Oh, and just hi, like. Mark. <laughs> just so crazy yeah uh, me apart lisa it's just <laughs> the whole thing like he's such a bad actor it's just like oh it's just his delivery everything is just an awkward movie but it is yeah it is anyway, uh well what about your tv scenes okay tv scenes so we first have to mention uh both of us which is probably on our list at the top of the list comes from the office um, and it's Scott's tots. Yeah. Like yeah. I think we both, that's like at the top of our list. And I can't even watch that episode anymore. <laughs> oh no, it's crazy. So BJ Novak who plays, you know, Ryan the 10th in the show wrote and directed this episode of the office and Scott's tots. It's starts out hilarious because Stanley, Stanley, if you know, Stanley character in the office, he's always, like monotone he's like bueller but in this opening scene the dude loses it is laughing his ass off it's just like uncouth for him and so you're like what happens he's like oh my god is it today really the day and it comes to find out years prior michael scott promised like first graders a class of 30 first graders that he would send every one of them to college and of course he can't graduate if they were gonna graduate graduate high school Um, and so the day comes when they're all graduated and they're close to to it yeah and he has to go there because they invited him to come there and like you think like oh they're going to show up and not many of them graduated but no they're all amazing students they all graduate and they love to see michael they like 
they do like a dance for him, a routine. They sing to him. They have shirts. Yeah. And he has to say that he can't send them all to college. And what makes it even worse, he's like, I got you laptops, but not just laptops, batteries for laptops. Just batteries. <laughs> just batteries. And it's like the worst. It is so fucking painful to watch. It's so Holy painful. Holy shit. I think it's because it's so realistic that that could happen. And if someone was really in there, she's like, you're just like those poor kids. Like they thought they were going to college. Like some of them, they just can't afford college, you know? And, oh, I mean, I remember he gives like one kid, like a thousand dollars at the end or something. Right. Right. But, oh (laughs) man, it just breaks my heart because there's not really a happy ending to that. It's just like, yep, he lied. And these kids, hopefully they got some scholarships because they just. Well, yeah. there was a happy ending to it in the element where he said, you know, he kind of brought it down to earth saying like, you know, I'd like to think maybe since I promised you this, it mm-hmm. did get you through school. You did graduate. Yeah. You are going to go. Yeah. Places. And I like that element to it, but right. holy God, because you see how happy the kids are mm-hmm. and you just know what's coming and it's just jesus you don't want to watch any of that episode (laughs) that is the most out of that's my number one i've never been like to a point like i said to a point where i can't even rewatch it but (laughs) you should because it's still it's i I have but i don't think i can do it again like i've already Um, watched it like twice and that's good enough for me thank you bj novak for giving us the most awkward shit in the world that was genius um shall i go through some yeah, go through the rest of yours. Okay, so the amazing, very uh, spectacular, perfect, flawless show, Freaks and Geeks. Um, that whole show is pretty awkward uh, in moments, but the w- most awkward scene for me was when Sam Weir, you know, the kind of like the leader of the geeks, um, he went to the mall and Jason Schwartzman sold, no, it wasn't Jason Schwartzman, it was somebody else sold him because it takes place in 1981, sold him on the idea that it would make him really cool and popular to wear a kind of disco-esque one-piece tracksuit to school. And uh, he does. Sam, where he wears this one-piece bell bottoms, kind of like with like the built-in belt buckle, the collared, you know, one-piece shirt that connects to the pants. He does his hair up and it is so awkward and painful to watch everybody just giving him shit and it just doesn't pan out perfectly at all uh-huh. uh great scene um i will do a, even a piece of live news tv and i don't know if you were old enough to remember this would you remember balloon boy no so there was a huge story that was happening live on tv and it seemed like this homemade kind of gigantic balloon craft uh was flying through the air and allegedly this young boy was inside of it and all the networks picked up on it because they're like oh my god it's flying you know thousands of feet in the air it's going to crash down there's a boy inside of it and it turns out uh that the boy was never inside of it um he was hiding from his parents uh for being in trouble And this was happening as Wolf Blitzer was interviewing them on CNN. And so Mm -hmm. it was the two parents and the two kids and the boy that was allegedly in this balloon. And 
uh, it was a net, it was a worldwide story. And so as Wolf Blitzer is interviewing the family, the kid being a kid, honesty says like, dad, you planned all of this to get famous. Mm. And it was insanely awkward on national television to see like everybody's reaction and like, Oh shit. Um, so yeah, there was that, uh, the first episode ever of black mirror. If you haven't seen that show, I've um, seen the, the very first one. Was that the one with Daniel Kaluuya? Was that the first one? No, the very first one was the prime minister of England. Who's blackmailed oh, yeah, having sex with pig. a pig. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Having sex with a pig. And I'm not going to say where it goes, but it goes. Yes. yes um, so weird. Uh, kind of a twofer here, uh, in the, in the show Breaking Bad, um, as well as The Sopranos, there is a scene in Breaking Bad where Skylar sings happy birthday to her boss in the vein of a sexy Marilyn Monroe. Super awkward, as well as when Tony Soprano in The Sopranos visits his old father's mistress, and she does the same thing. And it's just, it couldn't be more awkward than that. Um, going back to The Office, uh, when Scott... Michael Scott and Jan have their dinner party at the house. Have that and on it my just, list too. <laughs> it just dives in. I mean, one of the funniest lines in the show to me was in that episode where the screen door, the glass screen door is broken. And they ask like, oh, what happened? And Jan goes, he thought he heard the ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I thought that was great. Yeah. That whole scene is horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, also in Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David, there's an, an episode where Passover Seder happens and he's having people over for Passover Seder and he meets, uh, Rob Corddry. He meets the, uh, a character named Rob Corddry, new to the neighborhood who gives him some excellent golf tips and they become friends, but it turns out he's a sex offender, a registered sex offender. And Larry invites him over to Seder and there's kids there and it's like a whole awkward fucking thing that this happens and it's great and then my uh, last one will be the episode of south park called cartman sucks (laughs) (laughs) and it's a hilarious one of my favorite episodes of south park but basically um cartman it the best south park episodes are when cartman uh is naive about a lot of things. It, we saw it happen in uh, Scott Tennerman Must Die, where Cartman is naive about the older students uh, asking him to do things, but only to fuck with Cartman. Mm-hmm. So Cartman goes along with it and thinks he's going to be in with the cool kids, but they all shit on him, which is, mm. you know, Scott Tennerman Must Die. Cartman, at the end of the episode, chops uh, Scott Tennerman's parents up and oh. serves it serves them to him in chili. <laughs> no, it's insane. So, but that the whole thing of Cartman uh, taking people's shit is great. So in this episode called Cartman Sucks, Cartman um, has kind of fallen into the hobby of inviting butters to his house mm-hmm. to take pictures of butters in compromising positions. So mm-hmm. like, you know, with like, you know, poops smeared upon m- butter's upper lip or just like crazy stuff. So the next thing Cartman does is while Butters is sleeping, but or Cartman puts Butters dick in his mouth and takes oh. a picture thinking 
that it would make Butters gay, <laughs> but not himself. <laughs> and so, so he gets excited and he shows his picture to, you know, Kyle and Stan and Kenny. And they're like, dude, you are the one who's gay in this, not yeah. Butters. And so Kyle, as a joke says, well, in order to cancel it out, you have to reverse it. You, um, you have to put your dick in Butters' mouth. And so what happens is, as that's about to happen, Butters' parents burst in. Cartman runs away without explaining anything, and Butters' parents send Butters to a gay conversion camp. Oh, uh, God. Gay conversion, which is hilarious. Uh-huh. And so as time goes on in the episode, Cartman thinks Kyle steals the original picture of Butters' dick in Cartman's mouth. And so as Cartman, and he thinks he, Kyle's going to show it at show and tell for school. So at the end of the episode, Cartman thinks like, okay, Kyle's going to do it. So I'm going to beat him to it. I am going to go to school and show the picture myself, but pretend it's, uh, pretend it's artistic. He compares it to the Iraq war and he does that. And as he's doing that, showing everybody in class, this picture of Butter's dick in his mouth, the school counselor comes in and says, Eric, your mom found the picture underneath your desk. Please don't show the picture. (laughs) And it's just as awkward as you can think it is. And I mean, of course, Cartman gets his comeuppance, but that is a very awkward episode and really fucking funny as well. Sounds awkward. I haven't watched that fucking <laughs> so long. You it's should not- watch that episode because it is really funny. <laughs> I was trying so, yeah. to look at Balloon Boy, but yeah. Okay, yeah, Balloon Boy. If you look at Balloon Boy, you know, it's an insane story that happened. And you can watch the uh the the interview with it and it's funny because another added element to that balloon boy interview, when the kid outs the parents for it being all set up in a hoax. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the father is so wrought with like guilt that he actually farts on live TV. <laughs> and it's like so crazy. Oh my gosh. No, no, it's, it's insane. But yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right what about you tv wise all right well I, I don't have nearly as much as you but you mentioned the scott's tots and dinner party because especially with the dinner party i feel like i've been in situations where like the worst thing about that was that you're you're trapped with a couple who is clearly in a horrible relationship and like don't even seem to like each other and they're just it's it's like a nightmare and you can't escape it um so I, yeah, that's right. But also I might, I have to add too, just cause the thing about it, the, the episode two, where, um, where Stanley says, did I stutter? That was a, that's always a really tough scene for me to watch because you can just feel like the embarrassment, like nobody likes to be called out mm-hmm. and be like, like snapped at. And I just like, I, that, particularly for me is like one of the most like worst things is if I'm snapped and I just feel like I would shut down and I just feel that for Michael so badly. Um, in gossip girl, just you, you probably never watched gossip girl. I'm guessing. Um, you'd be surprised. I've seen a couple seasons. So do you know who Dan and Blair are? Then? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, eventually there is a point later in the seasons where they put them together. And if you know anything about their characters, that makes absolutely no sense. 
that was the worst decision on, I, I like, it's just, I think it got to a point where they were all hooking up the, you know, the main people were all hooking up with each other and they're like, yeah, why not get Dan and Blair together too? Stupid. They have no chemistry and they never made sense. It's like Blair would never date Dan. Dan would never like Blair. Like, and then so when they finally did get together, it's just, Oh, it's like even thinking about when they finally do have sex and stuff, I'm just like, oh, it's terrible. So it was like awkward because it didn't seem right. Um, Also, one of the worst, it's still hard for me to watch, is when in Friends, when Ross tries to hook up with his cousin, uh, guest star Denise Richards. I don't know if you ever watched that episode. I know you don't like Friends. So Um, is uh, for people who do. It is one of the most awkward scenes. He's on the couch. He thinks that she's giving him signals. Uh, I mean, she's beautiful, but it's his freaking cousin. And uh, she, he tries to go in for the kiss. And luckily she's like, what are you doing? And uh, it is just the most cringy scene. I, I think in that whole series, I, I don't know. It's always, I I'm currently rewatching and it's like, Oh, so cringy. Didn't one, one, didn't one of them kiss Phoebe at one point and that was awkward? Yeah, Chandler and Phoebe, they do this thing. I, that didn't make, that wasn't as awkward to me. I know it's in a lot of lists as an awkward scene, but I, I found it just too funny just because, you know, they're doing it as a, they're trying to push each other to find out the truth that Ch- uh, Chandler and Monica are actually hooking up. Okay, okay. Uh, also, I have on here the the staged kiss between Connor and the girl from the- <laughs> <laughs> that really got all. you, huh? It got you so I was like, that was one of the most. Aside from all the the when somebody actually proposes and gets broken up with in the finale, that is awkward. But that I cannot describe to you how like cringy I felt. Like it was terrible. It was I will so say terrible. that. I will say um, that it was. I really awkward. wish producers won't do that shit. Yeah, I will say that awkward, um, awkward stuff with Connor on this latest season of The Bachelorette. Uh, anytime he kissed Katie, he oh. would grab her full on with the head, and yeah. I was so awkward out with that. Like he would grab her with two hands with the face and the head and bring her in, and I would just like that's too much. <laughs> and he was like an aggressive kisser. Like he, he would, um, he'd almost like, and that's why I did. He, I know he called himself out, but he's a very like, um, he, he goes like, like, like rah, rah, like eating your face kind of thing. It's like, dude, slow it down. Like, like, it's like, he's like attacking her with his mouth. It's like, calm down. Yep, yep. Um, but, uh, my final one, just cause we are watching scrubs too, but the whole tasty coma wife storyline that <laughs> scrubs is so awkward. It is, um, it's guest star. Um, oh shoot. What's her name? That Amy smart, Amy yes. smart. Uh, her husband's in a coma and she's, you know, hot and all the doctors call her tasty coma wife because he's been in a coma for two years and um, JD makes a move for her. Like it is just, so awkward because i know yeah i mean he eventually dies but still it's like before that first it's like i you just should not be like touching that you should not you that like let that pass like before you even make a move because she's vulnerable and then it's like after the like the whole funeral scene's awkward he goes confesses like oh i want to be with you in front of his parent in front of like the guy's parents who passed away it was just so awkward 
It was, you know, it's awkward, but I think they, they kind of did a good job with talking about it and him getting, you know, advice from everybody on the show about how wrong or right it is. Mm -hmm. And there might be a gray area, but then it turned out that like, she was only attracted to the drama and situation of it in the end. And I think that's kind of how it works out because yeah, that is kind of a weird thing to do. Um, But yeah, no, yeah, that's it. That is, yeah, cook, tasty coma wife. And uh, again, I just uh, finished my like tenth rewatch of that series. Um, oh, so, really? Yeah, you yeah, just yeah, rewatched yeah. it? Oh, it's yes. so funny. We're only on season. Yeah. Yes, yes, we are. Um, so. Well, uh, uh, well, great. Well, I guess we should talk about um, our own personal most awkward stories. Hey everyone, we're gonna talk. We're gonna get personal here with our own personal awkward stories—a moment you've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susan, you gotta go first here. Okay, uh, mine probably won't be as elaborate as yours, probably because I, I feel like they're short. Um, well, I have—I guess, like I guess there's three short things. But I remember in third grade, I, it was hard for me to really think of them. I wish I could have thought of like good ones, but. Uh, I remember in third grade, I had just switched. Um, I was in Irving and then I, we had moved to Louisville and I had to go to uh, elementary school there and I, in the middle of the school year. And it took me a while to like make friends. Nobody was like mean. Like, I mean, I, nobody did anything, but it's just like, I, I wasn't fitting in yet. Like, cause it was just, I was a new kid. And I'll never forget like you had to do this. There was this thing, like whenever you came into class that you had to move your name to show that you had a, attended class and like you could move your name on this magnetic side of the wall or something. And I went to go try to move it. And this boy, I remember he had moved my name and I was like, where'd it go? He's like, I moved it. And then I found, I was like, Oh, okay. And he, he had turned to me and like, so seriously goes, I'm going to make your life a living hell. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, he was smiling while he said it. He's like, I'm going to make your life a living hell. And I was like, I literally had nothing to say to that. I just remember being like, what? And (laughs) I was so confused. And well, apparently that was the worst it got moving my name because he never did anything else. But I just, I will never forget that moment because I was so caught off guard that a, you know, a third grader even could speak to somebody that way. But very awkward. Um, I also remember whenever I, my very first celebrity interview, like my first junket was for, um, the secretariat with, uh, Diane Lane and, um, what, wait, wait, what secretariat, like the horse movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was my first junket. Yeah. And uh, I was so excited because I was like, oh, my God, my first interview is going to be with like I I interviewed Randall Wallace first, but then Diane Lane. And I I love her. She is. She's so sweet. Probably one of the most beautiful women, just FYI to people. I think she's stunning. But it was my first interview and I had written all my questions and I was literally reading off my questions. And I will never forget in the middle of the interview, like. It was just, it was not a good interview. I think I picked out, it was fine. It was a very mediocre, whatever. But I just will never forget that I like lost my place on the questions. <laughs> and I was like, um, oh, 
oh God. She was like, uh oh, are you out of questions? And I was like, wait, I, I lost my place. Like <laughs> it was so awkward. Like I die thinking about it now. I did that in front of Diane Lane. Can you like, please, do you have the video for that? I don't think so. I don't think they've already like gotten rid of that. Oh, I'm not no. sure where it would be. Um, but I was like, she, I mean, I, I was like, oh no, like I lost my place. I'm not sure. And I look so confused and lost. And she was really sweet. Uh, you know, she was like, oh, I think she had pity on me. Cause I probably looked like a 12 year old at the time. And, um, and I was just like, and then finally I, I found it. And I literally go, I was like, oh no, I found it. Like, and she was like, oh, okay, good. And anyways, uh, it was just really awkward, like losing my place and, she was nothing but sweet about it, but it was just, you know, you try not to like read off questions either. So, right. Very and uh, finally, just going off of like dinner parties, uh, I remember Trevor and I went on a double date with uh, his best friend uh, and his wife at the time. And it was the most awkward, one of the most, at least at least from what I can remember, just such an awkward double date because they were clearly like not in a good place. And she was on her phone. Most of the time, uh, if she was talking to me, she was talking shit about her husband to me while we were on the date, like literally complaining about him, like at the dinner table and just being like, he tells me I can't do this. He does this. And it was just like, so awkward. And we, um, the worst we like, we, then we dinner and then we went to, we were in Fort Worth. We had dinner and then we go to a bar and we play this like giant beer pong game. And Trevor and I are being all like, you know, like we kiss and we're like, Oh, good job, babe. And like this wife is like, like no emotion to her husband. He is trying to be like engaging with her. He's trying to kiss her. She's not having it. It's like, I, you wouldn't think you'd think in the situation that you'd have fun with that. But in reality, when you're there, it is extremely awkward and uncomfortable. Like it is not fun. It is not fun to just be with a couple who's like going through like visibly like issues. And, um, and I, I remember after the date was over, I told Trevor, I was like, I do not want to go on another double date with them. That was yeah, awful. Like, that was, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like, what do you do when the, the wife is telling you like just complaining and having shit like and the guys right there. And, um, she's like, uh, let's bring out dessert. <laughs> yeah. Well, needless to say they're, they're divorced now, but, oh uh, wow. Yeah, that's not a shocker, but it was very awkward. But now that sounds very awkward. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to add to that. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, was there any awkward moments? Because I mean, coming up with our own awkward moments, I feel like you have to like have like a week and ask your friends about this because they might be able to bring stuff yeah. up. Was there anything like growing up, you know, and you got caught in like the intimate art of making out sex type of stuff by friends or in college or parents or something like that. That was awkward. I never got caught doing that. No, no. no. Okay. Okay. Well, that was some awkward stuff, Susan. Uh, <laughs> I guess you want to hear my three awkward yeah. stories. Yeah. All right. I'll start with a sex one. 
so uh, I think I was 17 or 18 at the time. Mm-hmm. And my family and I always went to Destin, Florida. We had a condo there every summer and we would go with a couple other families and I would get to bring a couple friends. And one year I got to bring my girlfriend at the time. Uh, and one night everybody was down at the beach and the girlfriend and I headed back up to the condo and did it. Um, nice. luckily, thank God for my amazing friend who knew everybody was coming back up to the condo while we were in the act. He ran up before anybody else to warn us. Uh huh. We had just gotten our clothes back on before <laughs> parents started walking in. But like, it was obvious, you know, it was like sweaty hair was all over the place and like t-shirt was inside out. And luckily my parents are super cool yeah. and they didn't acknowledge it really. <laughs> they just, <laughs> they just like, okay, yeah, we're coming back up. They had to know that was some awkward shit. Yeah. Okay, so that's the sex one. Uh, luckily, other than that, nothing else has happened. Um, <laughs> so um, another one. Uh, so I was in college and I went to the University of Kansas. So in Kansas, it snows for like six months out of the year. And one day I'm going, one morning I'm going to class and it has snowed. There's snow and ice on the ground and I'm walking to class and I have, you know, I have my jeans on, I have my sneakers on and I have like this gigantic overcoat on kind of like what looks similar to like what Bane wore in the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> okay. And I'm walking to class and I'm in front of like Wesco Beach, which is kind of like the, like a popular spot and place for classes and lectures. Uh, on campus and I step onto the curb and I proceed to fall, but not just fall. I, it's kind of like one of those moments where you try to catch yourself for 30 seconds and you look like a fucking shit show, you know, bat out of hell, trying to catch yourself, your arms are flailing about and I can't keep up myself. Everybody's seeing it and I just fall flat. Oh no. Ugh. So, I'm just so embarrassed and awkwarded out and just, and so what I do, so back in college, I smoked a ton of cigars. And so I had a cigar with me and a lighter mm -hmm. and I, I don't know. I think like my brain immediately went to the movie long kiss goodnight. Mm -hmm. And in that movie, Gina Davis throws Samuel L. Jackson out of a moving car and he, he's thrown out of a moving car instead of getting back up he just lays there and smokes a cigarette and that's exactly what i did i got my cigar out and i just smoked it laying on the ground in the position <laughs> and i'm just like i need this to go away give me a toke of something <laughs> for something and i just i did that but it was so awkward just because i just didn't like fall immediately it was like you know like 20 feet of me trying to get my balance not yeah very awkward. And then the most awkward thing happened uh, in 2009 that I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, this is when I owned my comic book store, Boomstick Comics. Mm -hmm. um, it was in Oak Cliff. Uh, we were also an art gallery and we had big art showings, art gallery openings and stuff like that. And this one uh, I think it was the Star Wars art show. I think if you Google Boomstick Comics Star Wars or something like that, you will find news stories 
from 2009 about it. It was mm -hmm. a big deal. We had, we had it catered. We had it, we had alcohol. It was a whole thing. We had like 50 different artists and then a ton nice. of people. We blocked off the street because we had the 501st come out. It was a big deal. So of course, back in 2009, I marketed it on social media. Uh-huh. Um, marketed on social media and lo and behold, all the women that I was going on dates with all showed up at the shop oh, at the man. same time <laughs> talking about a very awkward situation. There was like five of them and yeah, I know it, it sucked. And so one of my best friends, Jonathan Kimbrell, who worked there, uh, saw it all happen <laughs> and oh. it was like his favorite day in the world he still talks about it how much he got a kick out of seeing me just come a complete mess <laughs> so how i did this was like in the space i would try to separate everybody at a safe distance Okay. all these women and i would mm -hmm. only talk with them for like 30 45 seconds at a time before i would have to go somewhere else uh-huh and it oh my god it worked i think it worked you but, didn't get uh, caught no no i don't think not so. even one of them not what? one of them it like i was already kind of nervous like i'm pretty good in like a crowd i'm pretty good at like mingling and you know you know stuff like that um mm -hmm. And I was kind of nervous of being like a huge art show and shit like that. But like when all of these amazing women showed up at the same time, it was brutal. Like, I'm surprised I didn't have heart palpitations. <laughs> I was like, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Please, 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 please. <laughs> and after, after the whole thing was said and done, man, I like sat down with Kimbrell and I just had a bunch of tequila and I was just like, I can't believe this happened. He's like, that was the best thing in the world for me to see. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was wow. so, no, yeah, wow. that was very awkward. And you go, can you imagine like that? That's like a, an office type of awkward moment. No, where... that's, that's a scene out of a, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a casino night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's... Five. <laughs> yeah, no, there, it was, it was five. Cause you know, we promoted on like, I think Facebook and Twitter, you know, whatever. And they all just kind of saw it. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna come. I was like, oh God, fuck, shit. <laughs> What's happening? Didn't think that one through, Brian. <laughs> I know, absolutely not. So uh, that was, that happened and it was, whoo, sweaty. Yeah, you are lucky yeah. that not one of those girls caused a scene. Like, what do you mean? Well, I mean, were you, were you just like dating or did you say you were exclusive with these women? No, no, no. Oh, no, no. I never said I was exclusive with anybody. Okay. Like it, we were going on dates. We'd have been on multiple dates, you know, stuff okay. like that. But it wasn't like boyfriend, girlfriend with multiple people. We were all going on dates, but at that's the not like time, the worst thing. If it, if it got caught, if you did get caught, you'd be like, Hey, we never said we were exclusive. If you know, but when you have that group and that happens, like you would just, <laughs> just be awkward. I mean, I yeah. probably could have played it off and I probably, if it all happened, I would probably, you know, 
fight or flight, I would have been like, hey, let's have an eyes wide shut party, you know, something oh like that. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I don't know. Try to make light of it. But yeah, it was, um, it, no, whew, yeah. Still thinking about that. Oh my God. No, it's horrible. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, those are the, the three most awkward things that I can think of off the top of my head. Now, if I had like a month oh, and months. I, could have yeah good ones for sure uh have friends or family tell me other awkward moments i could yeah dive more into that but oh i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure we both have some like it's it's so hard to think of it on the spot i was really struggling but i mean those were the ones i just like came to mind so yeah no it's good it's good well that brings us into our blind watch um you know, it was interesting. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and uh, they were asking about, you know, film critic life and the profession as a whole. And they're like, do you watch a movie you've never seen every day? Do you watch movies that you've seen every day? How does that work? You know, <laughs> or do you find it, you know, it's like, like actually, you know, like I do a blind watch on this show and this is how it yeah. goes. And it's, you know, between two professional film critics. And I tell you, like, it's actually pretty difficult to find a movie we both haven't seen before because we both love watching movies and TV shows that we've seen already. And then we also watch movies we've never seen almost every day, if not every day. And so mm -hmm. for us to like do this segment and we have to kind of dive deep into the realm of film to find stuff we both haven't seen and we mm -hmm. come up with some cool stuff so it was fun to talk about yeah. that so this movie you know i feel like we've been on a really good roll recently yeah yeah for sure for sure so i was looking through stuff and i guess there's a movie that came out uh um in 2021 or not 2021 in 2020 it premiered at south by uh, and it's on Hulu right now. The movie is called Shiva Baby. Um, it is directed by Emma Seligman, and it stars Rachel Sinnott, Molly Gordon, Polly Draper, Fred Melamond, and Diana um, Agron. And, Agron, yeah. Yeah, Agron. And uh, it's, you know, an indie film. You know, again, it's on Hulu. It's called Shiva Baby. And I think I picked it because I think I, it has like an impressive Rotten Tomatoes score. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, I think right now it's at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes wow. uh, with 133 critics talking about it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, so I was kind of like looking for like an amazing or popular like horror movie uh or horror comedy type of thing this is its own horror no yeah this no you could definitely say this is a horror movie for sure <laughs> in a way a horror comedy of horror. dark epic proportions and so going into it i was like i had high expectations and going into it i was like okay this is from start to finish and it's 78 minutes of runtime very short movie it is fucking brutal and brutal in the way that it is like awkwardly funny to just like a degree where you're just like oh jesus oh god just one thing after the other is happening yeah. to this woman and it's just oh god what else can happen to this girl so after watching it i was like oh man that movie was awesome and it's just super awkward hence the the event for this show the theme so susan what did you think about this movie 
I thought it was really good. Um, very well acted. Great cast. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect. I mean, you sent me the poster and I, I didn't even, I didn't even look at the description. I, I think I maybe for a glance at it, but I was like, cool. Sounds good. But then when we actually watched it, it's like, oh, so that's what this is. This is like one giant awkward moment for a span of an hour and a half. Like it is, I just feel for the main character because obviously you root for her and you just want her to get out of this, this party, this, whatever, this Shiva, the Shiva. Yeah. So yeah. To explain what Shiva baby is, the poster shows a woman and she's kind of like in a fancy dress made of cream cheese and bagels and other things. And it's called Shiva baby in a sitting Shiva in the Jewish religion is after somebody dies, the fan, the immediate family sits Shiva. And that means for like a week, you just sit down and you have friends and family come over with food and talk with you and just make sure you're okay. They do little services, little prayers every day, but that's what sitting Shivy is. It's a, the, pro, the process and period of grief, grieving right after somebody has died in the Jewish religion. And it's called sitting Shiva. Most Jews that are um, reformed might sit Shiva for a day or two, but never for a week or two, like conservatives or whatever, orthodox. Um, so this movie, the opening scene is this girl having sex with an older guy. And uh, it turns out, okay, like they're having sex, cool, in a posh New York apartment. And he ends up paying her because she's getting paid. So it's like, oh, she's a prostitute. And then you'd find yeah. out she's a high schooler. And you're like, oh God, Okay, so this older guy paying her and then immediately she goes from there to the Shiva of a family member. And she's there sitting in Shiva and her whole family's there and it's, you know, almost stereotypical Jewish family. Uh, so there's a lot of comedy there. And her ex-girlfriend is there because I guess she's bi. And yeah. they did not end on good terms. And then in walks the John, the person she just had sex with that she seems to like a lot in with his wife and kid. And yeah. from there, it just spirals out of control of these this love triangle, trying not to uh, let the cat out of the bag of what had happened just prior. And this poor girl's lot in life, which seems to kind of not be going anywhere and her overbearing parents. Jewish parents, uh, and her name's Danielle. So mm. it is just, Susan said it perfectly after the movie. This movie shouldn't be called Shiva Baby. It should be called The Torture of Danielle. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it really it was. Yeah, talk about this movie, Susan. Yeah, I just felt like she was in her worst nightmare situation because she gets to this Shiva and she sees her ex-girlfriend that things did not, she's there, didn't go well. Also, her ex-girlfriend is doing well. She just got into law school. Um, she sees a bunch of people, a bunch of people keep asking her, are you in a relationship? Are you in a relationship? Why not? You know, like that's always a nightmare when you're single and you're being asked, oh, why are you not in a relationship? As if you can control it. Uh, and then you see her lover that she's hooking up with. She had no idea that he is married. And on top of that, he has a kid and his wife and baby show up. And it's just she can't escape any form 
of like, she can't get a break. She can't get a break. Like everywhere she turns, she's stuck in some sort of miserable situation at the Shiva. Like she, from like things spilling on her to she's like, confronted by family members. Like, what are you going to do with your life? What did you yeah, do? Yeah. Yeah. But she also kind of instigates some of it by trying to hook up and send pictures with the guy again. Yeah, but like he sad. is such a shithead that he like, mm-hmm does all the wrong things in the movie too. Like he's definitely the villain of the movie. He is, he is. I mean, she really shouldn't try to be hooking up with him at the party, like especially when his wife is there. But I think at this point, I'm like, too, if the wife doesn't realize what's going on there, then I think she does. I think she does. But it is, yeah, It there's, and there's so many scenes that are just, like it is, a, I, I love movies like this that can take such a simple premise and idea and, you know, it's just all set in like one day, just this whole party and, and then create this, this story. Chaos, like it, this chaos. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 they did a wonderful job with it. It's just, it, it is so awkward. It's one of those movies I don't want to watch again because I don't want to go through that experience. Cause I felt it. I felt for Danielle. Right. And you know, like all these characters are coming together and it's like, at a boiling point mm-hmm. and it's like you know it's about to boil over and there's like a huge it's 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 gonna be graphic but then as everybody's leaving the her danielle's jewish parents who have like this old minivan full of shit ask everybody to oh. get into the minivan to ride God. home together even the guy she had sex with his wife and the baby his her ex-girlfriend and a couple other people and the parents and it's it's so su- it ends uh, subtly uh, on a happy ending. Like you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. I, like, I like this, which I yeah. enjoyed, but it's just, oh God. Like, cause coming from a Jewish background and Jewish family, like I relate to a lot of stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just grow up in that culture. So a lot of it was yeah. really funny to me and uh, I got it. But yeah, that it's just, oh man, it's, it, it, it was it, it is a horror movie it is like like susan said it's a nightmare <laughs> it's a scenario for it's a nightmare scenario any human being you know you know i talked about you know all these women showing up at the the art show but imagine like 20 other elements coming to play that would just make that day more miserable and that's what happens to danielle in this movie and it's just one after the other yeah. Yeah, no, it is. And as much as we describe it as like miserable, as far as the scenario and what you feel, I still do highly recommend the film. No, it's a lighthearted touch to it. Like it, you're not yeah. going to like really hate any character, maybe just one, but yeah. it's, it, it has a lighthearted and organic feel to it. And you really connect with Danielle and even uh, her ex-girlfriend um, in the movie. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty dang cool movie. Like the movie is awkward and very uncomfortable. And I think that's what it's supposed to uh, be. And I think, you know, I think there's that element of the, you know, sex positive and power of sex uh, in it, uh, you know, for women. And, you know, with her being a high school student, maybe she hasn't developed, you know, the mature um, way of going about it yet, but she's on her way there. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think this movie kind of has elements of Woody Allen type of scenarios in it, you know, kind of talking about that. 
these themes and tones of the movie. It, it, it's a smart film. I like it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's very smart. It's very clever script. Uh, like I said, what they do with that premise and the dialogue and just like the scenarios that they think of. And it's, it's I, I love a painfully realistic movie. And that's why I enjoyed it. I just don't know if I want to sit through that again. <laughs> it's just so like, but I, I want people to watch it because it is it is well done and is uh, it's unique. Definitely deserves to be watched. Yeah, Shiva Baby. It's on Hulu. It's only seventy eight minutes long. So yeah, I mean, it's so like short. an hour is an hour and 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so it's not going to take a long time to get through. But yes, that is a movie you should see. It is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Shiva Baby. Another, I think, great blind watch. Um, we're on a roll. We're eventually yeah, going to have to yeah. come to another Riccio at some point, or okay. King of the Island or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Please no, we're no, we're not going to do another Dara of Yasanovic. <laughs> no. Well, it's going to be my pick next, and I will be picking something not horrible. <laughs> I mean, like not miserable, not miserable. <laughs> right, 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 right. So yeah, so that's Shiva Baby. Uh, now we're on to our honorable mentions, our our no BS suggestions of stuff we've watched. Um, I think we have to kind of start out with the Green Knight. Uh, mm-hmm. Texas's own, Dallas's own, David Lowry, uh, directed and wrote this. You know, you know him from Ain't Them Body Saints. You know him from The Old Man and the Gun. You know him from Pete's Dragon. Uh, and now he's done this, um, this incredible, you know, gem diamond of a film, The Green Knight, which is based on Sir Gawain and The Green Knight from hundreds of years ago a poem and man this movie is just next level good it deserves its own category it's it just oh i loved it so much okay well brian got an orgasm from it clearly i just thought it was good (laughs) i didn't think it was like the most spectacular film in the world but it is good it's good and i do recommend it <laughs> that is what Susan has to say. Yeah, well, I just I was like, damn, Brian, just, just you like think it's like, is this your number one film of the year then? Is I don't know if it's number one. It's up there, man. It's uh, it's it's up there. I loved it so much. And it's weird because it's such an indie, it's such a weird film. And I'm hearing people that kind of only watch stuff like with the rock in it wanting to see this movie. I'm very excited about that. So I what this movie just it goes at its own pace it does not hold your hand you have to figure out what's happening and how it goes with it and i love mm-hmm. movies like that and it's beautiful it's a great portrayal and transformative character piece in sir gawain with dev patel uh seeing alicia vikander in dual roles like it's a it's a crazy movie uh yeah. find my review right now on high def digest for it um it's uh, it's incredible yeah my review will be up this week as well for from ictn um well i know a film that we both reviewed uh, last week that we have different opinions on but old the new m night Shyamalan film i i was not crazy about it brian liked it but i know people are gonna watch it regardless so there's that um I uh, loved old. I think it's I the scariest movie to it. date. 
And uh, only because it deals with aging in such a short time and all the really terrifying elements that go with aging. I loved it. I was not scared at all. I was just like, what the hell's happening? Like it was okay. Well, read my review and it'll explain it. But I, I was very disappointed in this and I had a lot of, I had high expectations and I thought it would be, I think most of it is the screenplay and the acting is just so bad. Like, I think it's, maybe it's a screenplay because it's just like, there's dialogue in there, Brian. I don't know how you can forgive some of that dialogue. It is so bad. It's like a, it's like written for a toddler. It's as if (laughs) old was made for children. I mean, it's graphic, but it's like, okay. But it stars children that have to grow up fast. There's majority are adults are in there. Come on. This you're you're excusing it way too much. There's no way that that was such a poor script. There's okay, there's okay. For, forgive unforgivable script. Um, but also uh, for those of you, did you watch Never Have I Ever? Right? I did not. Oh my god, it's such a good show. Season two is out. Highly recommend it. It's like probably my favorite show on Netflix, like the, the Netflix original series. Um, just a, like a teen rom-com kind of show. So really like that. And then my other one was, I only started the first 40 minutes of jungle cruise. I got to finish it, but I do like what I've seen. I know Brian liked it a lot. Yeah. Jungle cruise is fucking amazing people. Like I felt like a kid again. It was like watching that vintage Disney magic as we were kids all together, it's PG-13, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's Romancing the Stone, it's it's uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and it is just, I mean, it has uh, those aspects of horror in it, and romance, and adventure, The Rock is great, Emily Blunt is amazing, Jack Whitewall is great, um, everything about this movie is so good, I mean, yes, The Rock plays the same character as he does mm-hmm. in everything, because that's his shtick now, like, he has 50 things going on at once and he's not a character actor. He's the rock. He's going to be the rock in every movie, but it just works. He's, good. he's, he's a good actor. No, Man, he's, he's good. I enjoy watching him and mm-hmm. Emily Blunt's amazing. Uh, the yes. whole movie is great. It's got a good message, good heart. And I love how it ends. It's thrilling, adventurous jungle cruise. Damn it. Good shit. Um, I, from what I've seen, I really like it too. Yes, yes. I think you're going to like it even more as you go through. Um, I also want to mention Stillwater, uh, the new Matt Damon film. It is awesome. It is so good. It is people. I've, I've, I've talked with you. I've talked with other colleagues and y'all just didn't seem to want to see it because I think it's being being marketed as a, not appeal to me. It's good. It's so good because it. you think it's going to be one movie and it's not. Um because a lot of people think that it's going to be a pro-Trump movie and Matt Damon's playing a Trumper. And like, that's not, there's even a scene in the movie where they ask him who he voted for and he, he did not vote for Trump. Um, I didn't even think about that. I just, I don't know. It looks like, I I, I would watch it like when we get screeners, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. I just didn't really feel like going to a theater to see it. It's really good. You need to see it before it comes out on a screener list. Because I mean, it's about... Uh, Matt Damon from Stillwater, Oklahoma, his daughter played by Abigail Breslin is in prison for murder in France. And she says she constantly didn't do it. She's been already been in prison for two years. And so Matt Damon goes over there to try to kind of 
solve yeah. the case for her and bring it her to justice. And it's it's good. Um, that's kind of like the just kind of like the surface level of what's happening in Stillwater, but highly recommended. And Matt Damon is so damn good in it. Uh, highly recommended. And also, I know Ted Lasso has just started. The second episode of the second season will be out this week. But as somebody who's seen the first eight episodes, it's still one of the best TV shows out there. It's heartwarming, amazing, funny, great. I love all of it. I can't wait for you all to see the rest of the episodes. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the rest of them to come out so we can just binge it. You, you, you're, you have more, uh, more control over that than I do. I, uh, I had to watch them <laughs> and I've watched them multiple also... times. Oh, you've watched them multiple times. Well, that's oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and also just for those who are into, to physical media, um, Barnes and Noble is still through the end of the month having their 50% off Criterion sale and 50% Arrow video sale. So please check High Def Digest for the latest Criterion Arrow reviews. Um, if you need to, uh, there's a great documentary called Minding the Gap about skateboarding and three friends growing up who all realize they come from really abusive homes and they tackle that. Uh, mm -hmm. It's really good. Mind the Gap on Criterion is great. But yes, do that. And I think that wraps up our very awkward 29th mm -hmm. episode of... No BS. No BS. <laughs> no BS podcast. We're go to Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. Come find us. Uh, we are uh, we're going to be back with our thirtieth episode. It's going to be a doozy. Um, but I'm Brian Kluger, Boomstick Comics, High Def Digest. Just Google Brian Kluger. You'll find me on Instagram, YouTube, Screen Rant, all of it. Susan, where are they finding you? Yep, Susan Kamyab Stevens. Uh, you probably have better luck with Susan Kamyab, but yes, you can find me on ICTN.TV, City of Irving's YouTube channel, thischickslicks.com, and again, just Google. You'll find me. Google. All right, no BS podcast. <laughs>